0: let's pray for a moment. Father, we just pray that you would just uh, just open up our hearts and, and help us to have understanding of these times, what we should do in these times. And Father, we just pray that, that hope and faith and grace and wisdom would begin to flow in a new, in new dimensions. The multiple wisdom, the multicolored wisdom of God would begin to flow through us. In us, to us, to our cities, to our nations. Father, that we would actually see, as um, Mark was praying tonight, we'd actually see nations discipled by God. It wouldn't be something that we... Lord, let us leave a pattern for our children's children. Let there be many nations discipled by God, by godly people, in the next few years, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've had so many things on my mind and heart. I think those of you that preach a lot know that that um, often, often you just are trying to figure out where to start and where to end and how much to say. Um, you know, what we believe really makes a huge difference in how we behave. And that's obviously a simple statement. I was with Harold Eberly. He was taught in our school. If you guys haven't heard Harold, he's just amazing. He's one of the smartest people on the planet, and our students just got rocked by him last, I think, a week ago or two. But um, we were just having dinner together, and he was—he's a historian and um, a scientist, and I don't know what else he is. <laughs> and I was just—I said, Harold, I could just sit here for hours and just listen to you talk. And he was telling me. About the different philosophies that that, that happened through different church ages, and he was telling me about uh, how monasteries and the the whole um, movement of the monks began through the scripture, where Jesus said or God said, "Come out and be separate from them," and they took that so literally that the most spiritual thing in in. Christendom in those days was to really get alone with God and, and be completely silent before Him and whole huge thousands and thousands of people in, in, in the church began to just separate themselves onto God and, you know, move into monasteries and on mountains and, and just be silent before God. Just, just huge, huge groves of people just felt like the most spiritual thing you could do was separate yourself from society. And then he was talking, and then he was sharing with me several uh, different philosophies, and that came out of, of some came from philosophers, some came from um, from different church fathers. And he was talking about how the Crusaders they, they took the verse and the violence shall take the kingdom by force so literally that literally that that gave them the the sense, the right, if you will, the impetus to actually go out and and kill thousands and thousands of people in the name of the Lord and destroy Muslims. And they felt that that they were to bring the kingdom by force and that violent men literally would, through military action, would literally bring the kingdom to earth. And, And so it's... And then he just went through these different seasons and was sharing with me how different Christians throughout history had become a catalyst to a way of thinking and how that way of thinking had literally influenced the whole church age. Like for hundreds of years, people thought a certain way because of a few church fathers or philosophers who had influenced the church literally altered the course of church history and ultimately world history. And so, you know, we're, we're on one of those, it feels to me that we're standing in the door, we're standing in the doorway of a new historic move of God, something that will literally redefine Christendom for generations, as it did with the, with, with the monasteries and the whole Catholic monks and the, and the Crusaders and you know, those, those movements didn't last three or four or five, ten years. Those movements lasted generations. People thought like that for generations. And I feel like the, what the Lord is doing in us is, is a reformation. I don't know that we're getting exactly right. I don't know that anyone in history ever got anything exactly right, especially in their beginnings. But, but, we're, but there are mindsets being formed that out of those mindsets are coming behaviors that are um, hopefully constructive. Are you with me? And, um, I think that some of the things that we're dealing with today, I was, I was, uh, for three days sitting in those, in those meetings with, um, we broke up into different groups as I was sharing with you. And, um, people are just really having a heart. I mean, there's a real heart for, for the apostolic movement to affect and infect society. And I, I want to just propose to you that, that, um, apostleships apostles and cultural transformation are synonymous that you don't have true apostleships without cultural transformation that literally the Lord's Prayer our Father who's in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is actually an apostolic prayer given to 12 apostles and their, and that prayer was actually their mandate that they would make earth like heaven and, and, I, and I really believe that it's important for us to to really embrace that not just the prayer. How many know that Jesus didn't give us a prayer to pray that he he never wanted us to believe, or or thought that you know some just you know that billions of people would pray this prayer, but only a small few in the in the in the sweet by and by would actually be infected by it or affected by it. I really believe that the Lord wanted that prayer to be something that was a mindset that we'd pray it daily and that we would look for the kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the 21st, verse, uh, sorry, the 21st chapter of Revelation, we see that answered in the second to the last chapter of Revelation where it says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. How many of you know that that... <laughs> There's there's I think there's a mindset shift that happened in Acts one when the disciples uh, were, you know, Jesus was talking to them. And then it says that he went up. He went up into the air as they watched and they were looking up and the angel came and he made this statement. I think it was a prophetic declaration. He said, why are you looking up? Do you know what I mean? It's like, are you looking for a rescue or are you looking to transform the world? And, the, and out, of that, um, out of that mindset and out of that, that, that whole um, perspective, the, the commentary in the book of Acts on those people who looked up and the angel said, why are you looking up? Go. The command was to go. Don't look up. Go. Go do something. It was that those who have turned the world upside down, have come here. That was a commentary on 12 people. Those who have turned the world upside down. I think that Mark prayed a great prophetic prayer tonight when he talked about tipping points. Those men, they became tipping points. So 120 people upstairs praying for, for, who knows what they were praying for, but they're, they're praying, they were waiting and praying for whatever God had for them. They became a tipping point in history. In the commentary 14 years later is those who turned the world upside down have come here. And I just want to propose to you that that, that commentary on those, on those people should be the commentary a hundred years from now on this generation. That this generation turned the world upside down. I was thinking about, we were, we were um, one of the groups was the ecology group, and I was thinking about, um, you know, they call it uh, creation care now. Cre- the Christians call it creation care. Kind of get away from the word ecology, ecologists, or, you know, because that, that has kind of the new age of kind of taken hold of that. And we're, I was sitting in one of the meetings because they took the the, um, moral, the moral revolution kind of um, workshop and they put it together with the ecology workshop in one, one of the days. And I was, so I was sitting in both of those workshops together and they were just sharing some things about how Christians have been so alienated from taking care of the earth. And how many of you know that the second commandment, that God, the first commandment God ever gave man was be fruitful and multiply. The second commandment he ever gave man was cultivate the earth. And the gentleman was up there sharing, it's kind of funny, he said, how many know that God's, that God's original plan was to, to go in the garden, hang out with naked vegetarians? <laughs> well, that was a good word right there. Actually, I like meat. God didn't want us to eat meat; He wouldn't have made animals out of them. That's what I believe. <laughs> but I was thinking about this as they were sharing. I was thinking about they were sharing different ways that Christians could be involved in in creation care, in ecology, in in you know the whole green plan. In other words, and then we're talking about how irrelevant Christianity is to this whole, you know, ecology, this whole, this whole issue of ecology and, and and the planet and, and they, you know, one of the statements was made, Christians are 20 years behind the New Age movement and, and uh, behind the Buddhist movement on creation care. And I was sitting there, I was thinking about that, I was like, man, that's, you know, and he—they weren't being critical. They were just simply sharing some ideas of how to get up to speed. And and I was I was thinking, you know, just having met with Harold for a few hours, I'm like, you know, this behavior is coming out of something. Like, there's a reason why God told us to, to be fruitful and multiply. And then He said, cultivate the garden, cultivate the planet, and that was our the second commandment He ever gave to us. The first, the second responsibility He ever gave to us. And somehow we're in like last place. And I started thinking, you know, that is directly related to our eschatology. Like our eschatology is actually working against our our ecology. It's like what we believe about the planet has everything to do with how we behave. Like who wants to take care of a planet that's supposed to burn up? And I was thinking about, I started, and I was, you know, as they were sharing, I was thinking this, you know, really brilliant people, great ideas. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I could tell you like three quarters of the the church, if you were sharing this, they'd be sitting in their pews wondering, why should we be helping a planet that's all going to burn? I know why Christians aren't the forefront of ecology, of creation care. It's because of our eschatology. The way we see the end. It's like it's all supposed to burn up, so why take care of it? Uh, you, you, you see what I'm getting at? It's like for generations, we've, we've worked ourselves out of taking care of, of nations, taking care of, of the earth, taking care of... Uh, we've separated ourselves. And we have this kind of, In my this is my opinion, but we have this kind of schizophrenic, like, should we or shouldn't we? We love you, we love you not. We judge you, we judge you not. This is your fault. You deserve to be judged. Oh, we're supposed to not judge you. We don't even know what we should do. We just know we love God and and you're, 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 and you're going to hell. So that's all we know about. <laughs> and we can't help people who are going to hell until they're going to heaven. So pray this prayer, then we can help you. <laughs> I'll just say a lot. Like, think about it. It's really... Partly true. Some of what I'm saying is true. <laughs> it's up to you to figure out which. <laughs> now, I, Isaiah 61, why don't you just turn there for a minute. I, I'm just going to, maybe this will turn into a message. What I really want you to do is just do what I'm doing is be tormented with me. I just I want to give you just a couple of verses and just share a, little, a, a few thoughts about um, just the way that we think about end times and just get you stimulated and hopefully not angry. Isaiah 61, this is, you know these verses well. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to speak release to captives, freedom to prisoners, the favorable year of the Lord the day of vengeance of our God, to grant all those who mourn in Zion, give them a garland instead of ashes, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, that they might be oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, the verse I want us to concentrate on for just a minute is verse 4. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will rebuild the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. I, I just have a sense that, that what we're doing in the supernatural, like we're seeing captives go free, we're seeing the brokenhearted. I think Benny told me that word "brokenhearted" means shattered minds. We're seeing prisoners go free. We're seeing people who are mourning. We're seeing them be comforted. We're seeing people who who are who are who are, you know, we're just see, we're just seeing people transform, healing. Healing of the mind, healing of the emotions, healing of the body. But there's a purpose in it. And I believe that the fourth the verse is, there, obviously the purpose is seeing people restored. But there's a greater purpose in seeing not just people restored, but seeing cities and ultimately nations restored. And I just, I just want to just challenge this that, that I feel like there's something happening in us. Uh, um, turn to Romans chapter 8 and see if we can kind of put this together. Romans chapter 8. I love this chapter, but I I want us to look at verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Everybody say glory. glory. That's to be revealed to us. Now, I know we read that at funerals, but... How many of you know that it's not a funeral verse? Oh, it is if you're dead. (sighs) But if you're alive, it works too. You know what I'm trying to say. I just read it at a funeral recently, so it works there too. For the anxious longing of creation, listen, waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because him who subjected it in hope, verse 21, are you with me? that creation itself would be set free from uh, from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that all the whole creation groans and suffers what? The pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves, having been the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons and redemption of our body. Let me just make a couple of, read a couple more verses, and then I'd like to just comment on a couple of verses. Um, Psalms 110. Would you turn there for just a second? Psalms 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make my enemies... Make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The most quoted verse, I think, I think Jesus quoted this verse more often than any other verse. I could be wrong. The Lord will stretch forth, the next verse says, your strong scepter from Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Verse 3, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array. Listen, Listen to this part. From the womb of the dawn. Did you get that? In holy array, from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to, to you as a dew, I'm sorry, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn, and he will not change his mind. You're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath, He will judge among nations, He will fill them with corpses, He will shatter chiefs, men, he will drink, and he goes on like that. But this is the, the verse I really wanted to grab onto. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool to, for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array from the womb of the dawn. Um, I, I, just, I have this sense that the Lord's trying to give birth to something. In Romans 8, it says that we the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing the sons of God, creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because him who subjected it, that creation itself was set free from slavery slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that whole creation groans and suffers what? The pains of childbirth until now. I have a sense that the Lord is trying to give birth to something and that we stand in the womb of the dawn. Like we're in this great womb of the dawn and the Lord is trying to give birth to something in Matthew 24 which is um, is the scriptures uh, that relate a lot to the last days he talks about um, in verse I'll read you just a few of the verses just so you can connect I know that you know these well he's sitting on the Mount of Olives. his disciples came to him privately saying tell us when all these things will happen because he just told him the temple was going to be destroyed and what is the sign of your coming and the end of this age Jesus answered and said, "See to it that no one mis- misleads you. They will come and say, uh, they will, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many." And you will hear roars and rumors of war. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But this is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom, against kingdom, and various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And he goes on to describe the rest of the, those birth pains. And then he says this. And he says, All these things, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. What I'm getting at is this. Is that all, all these, the, the earth is groaning, but it's trying to give birth to something. Like we, like, like we, are, we stand in the womb of the dawn, And and these things that we go, there's earthquakes, there's problems, there's economic problems, there's, there's, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's famines, there's all these crazy things. And we go, man, these things are terrible. And the Lord goes, no, I'm trying to give birth to something. I'm trying to give birth to something. And these are merely the birth pains of something glorious that's about to come out. Head first, if you will. Like, how many of you know that (laughs) <laughs> something's wrong when a baby comes transverse, when it comes out feet first. It's supposed to come out head first. It, it's the, the head comes out first. The Christ is firstborn. He's the firstborn of many. In Revelations chapter 12, I was just reading this tonight. Listen to this. This is very interesting. I don't know what it means. I don't know what any of this means, actually. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet... And on her head there was a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child. And she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of the heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so when she gave birth, he might devour, devour the child. Eat. That's the word. And she gave birth to a son, a male child who's to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God, to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that she would be nourished 1260 days. And there was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels waging war against the dragon, the dragon and his And his angels. The dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old who's called the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice saying now, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and authority and of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He accuses before God, day and night. And they overcame Him with the blood of the Lamb because of the word of their testimony and did not love their life even to death. How many know that Acts 2.17, 18-19 says, In the last days I'll pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. Even upon your bondservants in those days will i I pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The sun will be turned dark, and the moon to blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord. How many know when Jesus died on the cross, the sun literally turned dark? How many know the moon turned to blood? (laughs) How many know that Jesus is the exact reflection of the Father? The Son has no light of its own. He can do nothing unless He sees the Father doing it. The works that I do, these the very works, are the Father working through me. How many know that the sun turned dark and the moon turned to blood? Before the what? Great and glorious day of the Lord. How many know that, that when Jesus died on the cross, that He created redemption But he didn't create redemption just for mankind. He created redemption for all of creation. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Colossians 1, 15. He is the image, the invisible God, the firstborn, listen to this, of all creation. Colossians one twenty three. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, which I, Paul, was made a minister. How many of you know that what what happened to you, you received Jesus according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new you became a new creation and old things passed away and all things became new i want to propose to you in um, in the book of genesis chapter 3 when adam fell it said that god cursed adam and he cursed the ground and he said you will plow the ground you will till the ground you will cultivate the ground but it will yield to you thorns and thistles because the land itself is cursed how many know that the, the gospel was preached to all creation? It wasn't just preached to mankind. When Jesus died on the cross, the goal was for creation to be redeemed. For creation itself to be redeemed, and you had a born-again experience. And Romans 8 says that creation is waiting for its born-again experience. It's groaning. It was subjected to futility. It was. It it was. It's subject. It means the word that word futility. It means to 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 vanity. In other words, it didn't have a purpose anymore. How many know Romans 1 says God's invisible attributes, His eternal power, and His divine nature are clearly seen in what God made. How many know that creation had a purpose in displaying the glory of God? That people could look at creation and they could actually understand God. Because it says unbelievers have no excuse. Romans 1. Unbelievers have no excuse because all they have to do is study creation. And if you study creation, it will lead you to the creator. But creation got subjected to corruption through Adam's sin and creation is groaning, and what's it waiting for? it's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, for the head to come first we're standing in the womb of the dawn, and creation is trying to give birth there's birth pains, there's, there's earthquakes, there's famines, there's wars, there's rumors of wars but Jesus said those are just birth pains for what's it, what, what are they birth pains? for the glorious sons of God to be revealed and for creation to be released from corruption <laughs> Like, we're looking at all this stuff like ecology. Like, how important is that? It's important to God because creation is calling out for redemption. <laughs> I was just thinking about some of the words that God used for us in redemption. You know, uh, we just quoted 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Revelation 21, you know, this, it's just interesting that I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth, what? Passed away. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Look at this. Next verse. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming, what? Down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is where? Among men. And he will dwell among them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be among them, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Did you know that that was not in heaven? I will wipe away every tear from His eyes. It was not in heaven. It was on earth. Because of our prayer, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. He will wipe away all their tears from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have what? Passed away. Verse 5. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making... All things new. He didn't say, I'm making all new things. He said, I'm making all things new. How many of you know that when you, got, when you received Jesus, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire? You got baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. How many know that, that, that in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, it says that the earth itself is going to be it burned up with fire? In fact, it says, and the elements melted away with intense heat. The word elements there, five other times that word elements, in the, the same Greek word elements is used five other times in the New Testament. And that, the only time it's ever used, it, it's ever called elements, is just in Second Peter. Two times in Second Peter in that, in, that, in that verse, where it says the elements will be burned up with intense heat. The other five times, it's called the elementary principles. Every other time, the elementary principles, and always referred to as, as wicked. The elementary principles. How many know that when we received Jesus, we got baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, and we became a new creation, and we're dead? And we became new. You know what? If we could just believe that, I wonder how much of a changed life we would have. No, I mean, if, it, if we moved from a philosophy to actually a reality. Like, if we actually believed that when we received Jesus, we actually became a new creation, and we stopped counseling and consoling the old man and just killed him. See, part of the problem is that we are looking at the, we're looking at the new man, but he looks like the old man. Is it possible that the earth may? That when, the, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the old earth has passed away, is it possible that it might look the same? That because the elementary principles burned up with intense heat, and there's a whole new core value for creation. And that cre- and creation actually gets what it's been asking for. Instead of being burned up, it's actually actually, the elementary principles, the evil principles that are holding the earth captive in corruption actually are burned up with a baptism of fire. And corruption in... And, 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 and <laughs> I could be wrong. <sighs> I'm just asking you what you think. Like, well, what difference does that make? Well, it makes a lot of difference if you want to be involved in creation care. Because I certainly don't want to waste a whole bunch of time on something that someone's going to throw away. I've shared this along this example many times. But, you know, if I have a 55 Chevy and, you know, Bill has a restoration shop and I take it, my 55 Chevy, so I want it completely restored and. Halfway through the process, he finds out I'm going to put it in the destruction derby. When he's done with it, how many know it might have a little influence on the quality of his work? I.e., it's why Christians so much of Christian ministry sucks. They're working on something they don't think's going to matter. That's why. That's why. That's why we move in in. Perfectionism instead of excellence, because excellence comes from His Excellency, and if we realize that His Excellency doesn't make stuff that's messed up, but perfectionism comes from the spirit of fear, and it's like we're going to be punished if we don't do it right. How many of you know that that it just being a son of the King causes us to move in excellence? But how many of you know that our eschatology is often working against our, the ex, His Excellency? Uh, we, we we just we just agree instead of breaking the curse off the earth we just agree with it. That's what I believe. I could be wrong. I really believe that we're in the womb of the dawn. God's wanting to give birth to something that's never been fully birthed before. And I think that it does start with the head. The head comes first. God first establishes His government. I want to propose to you that apostles and prophets, this whole movement to establish apostles and province, prophets, prophets. I can't even talk tonight. Sorry. This whole movement to establish apostles and prophets is the beginning of a birthing. It's not the birth. It's the beginning. Like, I see the head crowning, if you will. Intentionally double meaning. I see the head being crowned with 12 stars. How many know in Revelation 12, and the son, son, this man-child had a crown, 12 stars. On his head. What does that mean? I want to propose to you that's the government of God. That the crown, the, the Lord is giving birth to something. The devil wants to swallow it up. But my take on he, Revelation 12 is that's something that already happened. Like, I'm going to show you what was, what is, and what is to come. In my opinion, Revelation 12 is telling us what happened when Jesus was on the cross. That the dragon tried to swallow him up, but it says he's already been cast down, and now the kingdom has come. I, I would come on, but I don't have anything else to say. Huh? <laughs> I'd like to rant about how sick I am of Christians being negative. I just like—I'm so tired of it. We we on on Sunday we preach that God's given us all authority, and on Monday we worry about Obama. It's schizophrenic. It doesn't make sense. On Sunday, we said we're seated in heavenly places with Christ and we've been called to disciple the nations and on Monday We worry about the economy and I'm like, you know, I thought we were supposed to be the head and not the tail I, I just have a sense that these problems are pushing us to the forefront Like these labor pains are what? Let, let me, can I just give you look at? Isaiah 60 Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Listen to this: for deep darkness has covered the earth, deep darkness of people. But the Lord will rise upon you; His glory will be seen upon you. Nations, come on! When do nations start to come to the light? See, I think that dark—I think this darkness is a womb, and I think that—and the day is about to dawn. I'm not trying to encourage you. I'm trying to get you out of like destructive thinking. Like the Crusaders, they grabbed a verse and they they, it gave them permission to destroy thousands of Muslims. The 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 monks, I mean, God bless them. But it 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 caused them to pull back from society. And what happens when when darkness has no light because all the people who have a great relationship with God are in some cave someplace or isolated from society? And wonder, society is going to hell. Are you with me? How are we going to be the light in the world if we're in some cave someplace and you know, doing some chant? I don't know. If you're chanting, it's cool. I don't know. Whatever. It's all good. I'm just like, when you get done chanting, remember that there's a reason why you're in that cave. You know, if you're feeling negative and you're feeling, like, oppressed and you're feeling overwhelmed, go in the cave and stay there until you get encouraged. Don't even come to church. Watch us on the podcast. That's why we have them. So you won't come and infect infect everybody with your stuff. He that gives the most hope has the most influence. I'm telling you the truth. Ministries that are giving people hope are still growing. Ministries that are agreeing with the accuser of the brethren, they're hurting. And I know that there's all of us, you know, that's a general statement. Oh my goodness, I've spent half of us. (laughs) Like, okay, if I'm hurting, I just agree with the accuser. No, forget that statement. It's it's applying to other people that aren't here. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm an external processor, and I need to fix that. I so wish that my brain worked differently like, like I thought it, and then decided whether it was right or not, and then spoke it. But my brain doesn't work like that. Like, I say it, then I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. (laughs) You think it frustrates you? I live with it. The other day, I was just, you know, I was just emphasizing how Moses... You know, possibly stuttered, and I got all kinds of emails from people who struggle with it, and like you just made fun of us. I'm like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Just stupid. I just need to go in the cave and stay there. (laughs) So I can be encouraging. Okay, so let me see if I had a point tonight. Okay, what you believe determines how you behave. That was the point I made. And if you're being negative, you're listening to the wrong spirit. That's the point I was trying to make. And if you're doing that, just watch the podcast and don't affect a bunch of people. And that's the point that's probably right because I agree with it after I said it. (laughs) And the third thing is, I'm trying to make, the point I'm trying to make is like work on your eschatology and it's like, you know, I know you want me to work it all out for you, you got a brain you work it out because if I work it out You're gonna like, you get mad and not agree with something and send me an email. I don't want any of your emails I got my own problems But I this this is this is the thought I had <laughs> Now I've repeated this one to myself and I like this thought You can't take something that's clear, a commandment that's clearly spoken by Jesus, especially, and let something that's mystical and subjective undo what's clear. I think that the things are clear, that are clear have to be core values in which we, use, in which the lens, core value, the lens in which we see the subjective. The mystical, if you will. In other words, if Jesus says, for instance, make disciples of all nations, that's clear. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, because I have all authority, you make disciples of all nations. That seems very clear. Like that doesn't seem subjective. You know, how you get it done. Yeah, that's could be there's lots of opinions about that. And probably all of them are right. I don't know if I agree with that, but (laughs) (laughs) most of them are right. Um, And Jesus said, pray our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that's pretty clear. That's a a prayer that he, and it's pretty clear that Jesus never had us pray a prayer that that, that he didn't want us to believe. In fact, he goes on later on to say, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? I wonder if he meant faith about the prayer he told us to pray just a question. but So, I, I think that those things that are clear, and there's, there's a whole bunch of them, but I'm giving you an example. The things that are clear, that are clearly stated, should become core values in which those things that are not clear, that are mystical, that are subjective, that are in visions and dreams and so on, those core values that are clear, especially the ones that Jesus commanded us to do, the things that were not clear, you know suggestions, but were were clearly spoken to us. those things should be in used to interpret the things that we're not sure of. I struggle and I have thought a lot about this I struggle when we take the things that are mystical, and you know I, I'm a prophet by call, so I get those weird things, you know a weird dreams, weird visions. You know, I mean, I live I live in that world. My nights are I live in two worlds. I mean, literally my nights are another world. And some of those things are strange. And what I try to do, even with the dreams I have, I go, okay, God is good all the time. He said all things work together for good. And so I use and I'm just giving you like I have like 25 core values that I think through. I, I think out of I go these are the core values that I know are true. These things are true. And therefore, these are the walls in which I will think in. I will think in these walls. If I have a dream, I will think inside these walls. I will let these values determine what that could mean. But I won't take something that's mystical, that's, that. Uh, there's a word for it, I'm trying to think of the right word, but I won't take something that that is not clear, that is subjective, and let it, trump something that's clearly spoken as a command to me. I can't do that. I can say I don't understand that. And by the way, I think it's okay to go, I don't know what that verse means. And usually I followed up by, but I don't agree with what you think it means. <laughs> you don't have to know where you where you're, you, let me just, if if my wife's an hour late from work, coming home from work, I don't know where she is, but I know where she isn't, because I've been with her since she was 12. If someone came to me and said, I saw your wife with another man, I wouldn't believe him. And you say, well, how... How would you know how do you know I'm wrong? You just told me you don't know where she is. <laughs> I don't know where she is. But I know where she isn't because I know her. There there are lots of scriptures I don't understand. But I'm convinced that a lot of people who teach them, they don't either. And sometimes we stand up and share things. We're talking about eschatology right now which, you know, we've never really had a strong stand on eschatology forever, that at least you've never taught us about that. I, well, let me just make sure that's it's clear what I'm saying. I mean, we've never done a study on the book of Revelation and what's going to happen in the last days. That's what I'm talking about. We've always had some sense of that it's going to be victorious. But I mean, you know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We've never done that. I, and, you know, when, when I share, people always come up who have the opposite view and they'll come up and they'll go how about this verse and this verse and this verse and I'll go I, I don't know what that means. Uh, well, well, how could you be teaching this if I don't know if you don't know what it means? <laughs> well, because you don't know what it means either. I taught on Matthew 24 the other um, this is in a conference about 6 months ago. I just taught on the verses I knew. I had to skip a bunch of them. were several like I couldn't figure that verse out so I just didn't use it actually I didn't even read it that really made him mad anyway so he comes up this gentleman comes up afterward I mean just really sincere loving man and he wasn't he wasn't being belligerent he goes well you're saying that you believe in a victorious eschatology I go yeah we win I know that for sure and he goes well how about this and this and this and this verse I said I don't know about those verses and he goes, well, how do you be teaching on stuff? I said, because I know about this verse. It says, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. So he goes, what do you mean by that? I said, well, a generation is 40 years in the Bible, so I don't have to know about all that because it's already done. He said, well, what if it doesn't mean a generation? I said, see, it's subjective. You just had to change the meaning of a verse. That's clear to, to, to describe what isn't clear. So he said so he goes, Well I said, So it sounds like like I know more about this twenty four than you do. Because he said, This generation shall not pass away until all these things come to pass. Does your Bible say? It? He said, Yeah. I said, then how long is a generation? So well I don't know exactly. I said, Well, it isn't two thousand years, is it? He said, No, I said, Well, maybe it could be hundred years, right? He said, Yeah, I said, Still gone, so they're finished. We win. Don't win. And then he goes, well, how about the book of Daniel? Oh, I like Daniel. He's a nice guy. You know, I'm being a little funny. All I'm saying is this, is that if it adds up to we lose, I don't believe that. Because of all the verses that are clear. He said he put us he seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He told us to make disciples of all nations. He said to preach to all creation. He told us that that to do signs and wonders and miracles, and as we did, that cities would be transformed. These are things he told us to do, and those things are clear. So I have to do those things and work out the rest. And as he gives us revelation, I mean it would be awesome to understand what each of those verses mean. But in the meantime, I have to do what I know is clear, because I can't, I can't mean, I can't stand before God and say. You know, he's like, well, why didn't you make disciples of nations? I'm like, well, you know, I had a problem with this verse. (laughs) I had a problem with this verse right here. Like, you know, woe to you, a child. So I couldn't figure out how that worked out with be fruitful and multiply. So I just didn't even get married. Or whatever, you know, your thing is. (laughs) There goes the married people offended. Jesus, I'm just a wreck tonight. Anyway, the point is, I do have one. A point. Question reality. Because if you're not living in God's reality, you could be like the crusaders or the monks. You could be infecting generations with your wrong view of the Gospels, and we could be in a mess because of your thought. That's the truth. Because God has given you influence and you got the wrong idea and He gave you permission to kill thousands or separate yourself while the world went to hell and hold generations past until someone finally said, hey, I think that guy was wrong. And I want to propose to you that we're in a reformation, that Christ is being formed in us and we're in the That the dawn, we're in the womb of the dawn, and the head is crowning with 12 stars. But the apostolic movement is just the beginning. God isn't looking for us just to have apostles and prophets. He's looking for a movement that transforms the world till the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms, become the kingdoms of our God. That's what I believe. Let's stand. Thank you for enduring till the end. You shall be saved. (laughs) You know, some of my preaching is like the Great Tribulation. I I want us just to pray for our nations. Let's change gears here for a minute. I really do believe you know it it sometimes when you quote some movie it takes away the sense of it being true but maximus was right you know the world is they're stealing our stuff and they're making movies out of it and they're making millions maximus was right in the movie gladiator when he said what we do today will echo in eternity that you know some that's our stuff why I like that movie. I want us to pray. Let's, why don't you put your hand on the shoulder of someone. I was going to say grab a hand, but we've got the swine flu going around. And you know, I have great faith for being well, but some of y'all maybe should have been watching the podcast. No, I'm just teasing. Well, but I am not teasing about putting your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And I want us just to begin to pray. And here's, here's what I want us to pray. I want us to pray just to really simply. First, I want us to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Now, and, and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. Just We're going we're gonna to leave here in just a few minutes. So, But I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. I want you to think about the worst situation that you can think of in the world. Not, not in your personal life. I want you to think outside of your personal problems for a minute. I want you to think... <laughs> I'm getting words of knowledge coming. <laughs> they have names attached. Let's not do that. Let's just... I want you to think... <laughs> Would you just please stay with me for a minute? I want you to think... About the worst situation you can, you could that's, that's happening, that you know of, that's happening. And then I want you to think for a minute, what would it look like if heaven invaded it? What would it look like if heaven invaded it? Okay, so, so some of you are thinking about the economic problem. Some of you are thinking about the, the, the uh, problem with abortion. Some of you are thinking about, you know, you just, I, I don't want to put it in your mind. You know, I don't want to give you something. I want the Holy Spirit to give it to you. But I want you to think about it, and then I want you to think for... We're going to take about two minutes for this, and that'll seem like a long time. And I want you to think, okay, what would it look like if heaven invaded this? Okay? And then I want you to pray that. Pray, pray as if it had already happened. For instance, if you think it's... Um, the economic system and you you start to picture it and you start to see God turning that around and generosity and you all of a sudden you see people becoming generous. Book of Acts, chapter four, and you know, generosity is gonna break this. They took an offering, broke the fam, you know, whatever. And you just start praying that. You just start praying that, okay? That's what I want you to do. Now two minutes is gonna seem like a long time, and remember we're not in a monastery. So I want you to think and then start to pray. I want you to pray what you see, what the Holy Spirit shows you, okay? And then uh, after two minutes, I will lead you. So it's going to be, I don't want it to be quiet in here, but if it takes you 30 or 40, 50 seconds to get a thought about what the Holy Spirit would do, I want you to take that time and then begin to pray it out loud, okay? Do that. You're doing good. It's exactly what I was thinking. About another minute. Let's take up the intensity. Okay, begin to agree with me. Father, we just release heaven. We release heaven right now in the name of Jesus. That heaven would invade earth. That heaven would come. Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we release that. We release it into government right now. We pray for our president. That you would give him wisdom. That you would give him favor. That you would surround him with Daniels and Josephs and Esthers. Oh God, we pray for our president. Lord, we pray for Damascus kind of experience lord that he would just see god father we just pray that you would give him wisdom that you would give him dreams like nebuchadnezzar had god that you would put Daniels in his life to interpret the dreams the nations would come to the light of god the kings to the brightness of your rising let him be a king let our president be a king that comes to the brightness of your rising Lord, we would just release that over him right now, over his family. Lord, we thank you for his family. We, Lord, we pray for protection for him. We pray for protection for his family, Lord, that love would, would invade every area of their lives. We pray for their marriage, that you would cover them, Father. Lord, we pray for the White House, that it would be a pure house. It would be a White House. It would be a holy house. It would be a holy habitation, not just a visitation, but a habitation. Lord, we pray for angels to visit that place. Lord, we pray for Hollywood and Nashville and these places where the arts reign. Lord, we thank you for people that are just beginning to move in the arts. Father, we pray right now that you would just cause some of the most fantastic movies to just begin to burst forth that would have the core values of the king and the kingdom. Lord, begin to mold thought against abortion, against babies who have not yet come into the earth. Father, we pray that, Lord, that, that You would popularize uh, uh, purity and, and virginity. Lord, that You would make movies. These are the... How many know the theaters of the town squares of yesterday? Lord, we pray right now that You would just... People go to movies to decide what they're going to think. Lord, we pray right now that that you would just begin to invade theater. Steven Spielberg, and he's the only guy I know actually. But Lord, people that write movies, we just pray right now that you would just release on them Holy Spirit visitations. Holy Spirit visitations. Lord, I pray that... Like smoking has gone out of style That abortion would go out of style It would just go out of style You'd be like, oh, what is wrong? You killed your own baby Lord, we just pray for And Lord, we pray for people that have had abortions Lord, we pray for your peace to reign in them We pray for you to restore them Father, we just thank you for forgiveness That you gave to us We just release to every one of them, Father Every every woman who's who's living in torment because of it? maybe depression or whatever. Lord, we just pray that you just break that right now in Jesus' name. Every man who's participated in that, help with the decision. Lord, we just pray that you'd forgive them, that you'd release them from that stuff. Lord, we just pray against the religious spirit. (laughs) The spirit of no... Lord, we just pray. You said that he that's under the law is under a curse. Lord, we pray that that you'd break the curse of the law off the church. That we'd come out of the old covenant and come into the new one. That we would live in grace land and not in judgment land. Lord, we just released. We just released. Uh Hmm, Jesus. Lord, we just release words of construction. Let our words become worlds. Let us not be numbered among the grumblers who won't inherit the kingdom. Let us be numbered among those who changed history through prophetic declarations. God, I just pray that we'd get out of our mind and into yours you start thinking like you and we'd have big ideas amazing things things people never thought of before I uh, thank you that you're not the cosmic no but you're the yes and amen you identified yourself the yes and amen you never called us to be the guardians of the law Call us to be the extenders of the kingdom. Lord, let us, let us go back to our message. And let there be power in our message. Let signs and wonders take place through your servants. Give us boldness and extend your hand that signs and wonders would take place through your holy servants. Lord, let, us, let power return to the church so that signs no longer are something we carry on a stick. Lord, I thank you that Pharaoh wasn't moved by a picket sign. Let the pow- I'm serious about this. Let the power of God return to the church. Let wonders and signs and miracles... Let it be like Paul on the island of Malta when they thought he was cursed until the snake fell off in the fire and nothing happened to him. God, let us actually be different from the people around us. Let there be a contrast between darkness and light so that people actually can make a choice and it's not all gray. And let the choice not be more rules but let it be real love and real power and real glory. I'm going to end with this prayer prayer, with this verse, Isaiah 55.5. A nation that knows you not and a nation whom you do not know will run to you. For I have glorified you, says the Lord. Lord, I pray it. That the church would get so beautiful. The church would get so powerful, so lovely, so amazing, that the world would go, I gotta get some of that. <laughs> Lord, make the bride beautiful, so stunningly beautiful that people are naturally attracted. Key word, naturally. Naturally attracted. Thank you, Lord. And let the veil be lifted so she's no longer under a veil, but people can see her beauty. Let us not live with our women veiled. Take the veil off of your woman. So that they can see her beauty, be attracted to her and say, "I gotta have some of that." <laughs> no, that's a bride. I, gotta, I like that. Father, let the bride be so attractive that you'd have to be blind to not be attracted. In Jesus' name. Amen. Danny, would you come and just...